the same time, it's important for us to be able to just to get away from our everyday life. And so one of the things that I've noticed um, in preparing for today is just how stressful this can be. Uh, standing up here and preparing the word. And I mean, because not only um, I'm a fast talker, so I have to kind of like be aware of that and slow down, but also we're bringing the word. And Josh does that every week. Uh, last week, um, he asked for us to be praying for he and his family uh, for this, these next four weeks because, um, man, it, he, they need to be refreshed. They're going all the time. They're ministering all the time. Um, so, so we need to be praying for them these first two weeks that they can, um, they can, they can do that. They, they can vacate. They can relax. They can enjoy themselves. The last two weeks, um, Josh spends preparing sermon series for the next, for the next year or so. That's, that's, those are the things that we're going to be hearing about um, going forward, and so it's, it's vitally important that we keep him in our prayers as we go forward because um, this is stuff that we need to hear, and he's going to be bringing it. So with that, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and open us up in prayer um, today. So let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for uh, the day that you have given to us. I thank you for bringing each one of us here today. We know that from the beginning of time, uh, you knew that this was going to happen. You knew that I was going to be up here. You knew Manny was going to be up here. And you've been uh, waiting excitedly for this day, uh, for each one of us to be sitting in these seats uh, to come and worship you. And Lord, this, this, this 4th of July weekend that we celebrate our freedom, Lord, let us also celebrate the freedom that we have to come to, to your house to worship you. Lord, many brothers and sisters around the world don't have that freedom, and Lord, we, we cannot take advantage of that. Lord, I pray right now for, for Pastor Josh and Sherry and the girls as they're on vacation, Lord, that this would be a week and two weeks of, of, of rest, of, of recoup. Lord, that, that uh, Josh and Sherry's marriage would be, would be blessed and refreshed and their, the relationship with their daughters would be refreshed. And Lord, that they would just be able to come back ready to praise you and glorify you in, in their ministry. Lord, I pray that you would be with me today and Lord, that, that you would give me the words to speak Lord, that I would not be in the way, Lord, that I would humble myself before you um, and speak the truth uh, to my brothers and sisters as they, as they sit out there and, and listen. Lord, I thank you, and I'm humbled by this opportunity, and I pray that you would uh, just, just uh, speak through me today. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about idols. Idols is a topic that, or is a thing that, are rampant and is rampant in our society today and um, in our lives in our homes and and so so it's something that we have to get rid of in order to to truly glorify God and the one of the things that makes us difficult is is it's just is just we don't want to do this we don't want to get rid of our idols we these are idols that we inadvertently or advertently have built up and so we we don't want to do this, and so when, when these idols start coming out, it'll hurt. So I'll just put that out there, that if, that if you listen to the Holy Spirit today, that it may, actually, it may hurt. And that's a good thing, because that's something that we have to do in order to glorify God. We have to get rid of our idols. One thing that, uh, to make clear is, is for me, um, idols are the root of every sin. Um, it's, it's been that way from the beginning, and, I, and, and it helps me to think of these as weeds. 
you know, my girls know that, that I hate dandelions. Um, so it's kind of funny, one Sunday earlier this year, my, my, my now five-year-old brought me a handful of dandelions because they were so pretty, and the other two older ones kind of chuckled at the fact that they knew that the fact that I hated dandelions. So, but, um, so I, I mean, if you, if, you, if you know gardening or anything else like that, you know that, that chopping off weeds doesn't do it. You have to get to the root of those weeds. If you chop it off, what's, all that's going to happen is this is going to pop back up again. It may not pop up again until next spring, but it's going to pop up again. Um, idols are different in, in that um, sometimes it may not pop up a dandelion. It may actually pop up poison ivy. And what I mean by that is, is if, if alcoholics say, if you've struggled with alcohol and you defeat alcoholism, that's an awesome thing. That is, a, that is, that is God's blessing you and giving you the ability to, to, to break that alcoholism. But if we don't get to the root of that, of what is causing us to be, become an alcoholic, something else might pop up. It may be uh, drug addiction. It may be pornography. I mean, it could, it could be anything. So we have to get to the root of our idols and of our sins in order to have any hope of defeating them. So we can start by, by defining idols. Um, Pastor Josh kind of let the cat out of the bag a couple months ago when he was talking about a conversation that he and I had had about, about this topic. And um, one of the things that I was talking to him about was this book that I had just read called Gospel Treason. Uh, it was based on a, on, a, on a sermon series, a 10-hour sermon series. So here I'm trying to get this in 45 minutes. And he, uh, this pastor had gone through 10 hours and a whole book to, to go through this. So. But in there, his definition was rather simple, really. It's anything or anyone that begin to capture our hearts, minds, and affections more than God. Anything or anyone that begin to capture our hearts, minds, and affections more than God. It's a simple definition, really, that, that, that kind of is an all-encompassing thing that the, the typical thing is that we may think about, like uh, you know, the, the, the golden statues. I mean, we think about the Old Testament. That's where we, we hear about idols. I mean, we have Moses coming down off the mountain, the Israelites worshiping the idol. Um, in more today's, today's day and age, we may think of sports figures, um, movie movie stars, uh, people that we kind of put, put up on, on pedestals. I mean, we had a whole TV show, American Idol, that was kind of a spoof off of that. So, But what the definition also does is it paints a really broad brush to include things that we may not actually think about, things that kind of get a little bit trickier as, as, as we do think about them, things like our spouses or our, our jobs or our children, things that are good things, uh, the author of this book, Brad Bigney, said these are things that, that Satan likes to take good things and turn them into God things. And it's just the removal of one O just matter, matters so much. But here's the thing. If we don't overcome these earthly idols, if we don't defeat them, we, we have no hope of, of defeating sin. We may defeat that actual sin. We may cut off that top of, the, of that weed but it, that's either going to come back again. And how many of us, I mean, we, we, we go through a time period where we, 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 we see our sin, we stop our sin, and we're, we're thankful for that. But we, since we haven't gotten rid of the root of that sin, it just pops back up again. That happens all the time. So we have to get to the root of the sin in order to overcome these idols and to glorify God as much as possible. Because we are going to worship. That's the thing. I mean, we, I mean, I think Pastor Josh mentioned it last week. We are going to worship. We were made to worship. And so um, it's just a matter of who or what are we going to worship. 
And so we have to get at the root of that idol so that we, we can find our eternal joy in our Lord and Savior. Uh, as I was, as I was um, kind of preparing for this, an, an article on ESPN actually, actually popped up, and it, it, wasn't, it wasn't like I wasn't really studying for this, but it just so happened that I was reading this article about Michael Phelps. Um, most of us know Michael Phelps. He's the most decorated Olympian in history. He's, I think he has 18 gold medals. Um, he just this past week qualified for his fifth Olympic Games, which is the record for men. Um, I mean, so, so as we look at him, specifically as Americans, we think this guy's got it. He's got the fame. He's got the money. Us guys look at him, he's like, he's got the athletic ability, something that we all hope for. But this article was talking about the, his, his struggle. He's a, he's a pretty quiet guy. Um, and so not many people knew about this until recently, just the, the struggle that he had had throughout his entire life. And this, this, this article was really opening up the doors. He was, he was kind of opening up to ESPN about the fact that his dad, um, he and his mom and dad divorced, um, and they, he, he disowned his dad for so long. Um, his coach, his swimming coach, became that father figure, and because of that father figure relationship, they had a, they had a tumultuous relationship um, knockout, drag-out fights. I mean, it was, you know, the article talks about the other people that were on the swim team just kind of standing beside as the two of them just yelled at the top of, each, of their lungs at each other. So here's this guy who's, who's the greatest, most decorated Olympian in history. And this is, this, is, this is the part of the article I wanted to read. It says, Eventually, Phelps realized that all the Olympic medals in the world couldn't ease his pain and instead made life more complicated. By 2014, he was approaching 30, lost, with no identity beyond that of a champion swimmer. He self-medicated and wondered whether his life was worth living. I didn't care, Phelps says. I had no self-esteem, no self-worth. I thought the world would just be better off without me. I figured that was the best thing to do, just end my life. So you have this guy, who many of us standing on the outside would look at him and think, this guy's got it. He's got it made. And on the inside, he's being torn apart. Now, I have no idea if he's a believer. I'm not here today to, 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 to judge him at all, and it doesn't really matter whether or not he is or not because this is stuff that we all struggle with at one time or another. And it may not get to the point, Lord willing, it doesn't get to the point where we have those same thoughts that he has. But we all get there, and like perhaps you're sitting there and, and you, you have the job of your dreams, the job that you've been working, working towards for the past 15, 20 years, and you get there, and now what? I mean, that happens all the time. I mean, people talk, there's, there's you know, research out there. When you, what, do you need to be, what, what do you need to make a year to be happy? $50,000. You make $50,000. And they ask that same question, what do you need? And it's $60,000. It keeps going up. It's, it's, it's never enough. It's never enough. And so we, we worship something. We were, we were made to worship something. And what is that going to be? So, so we have to... We have to start there at the definition, and now that we've done that, we can start, start looking at some of these things that, what, is, what does it look like to defeat them, our idols? What does that look like? There's four things that I want to talk about today. Um, the most important one is actually the last one, so we'll get to that. The first three um, don't really have a particular order, but let's start by opening up our Bibles to James chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one in the seat back in front of you. So go ahead and open up. And one of the, James has always been a book that I, that I've that I've enjoyed, and 
I didn't really know until I started to kind of study it more this year why, and Pastor Josh kind of alluded to it last week too, about how the, a good pastor is going to bounce around in his sermon. He's going he's to, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you look at James, and James is filled with that. The first 18 verses, he ta- starts talking about trials uh, and the purpose of our lives, for those in our lives. He moves to asking for more wisdom and then boasting, and then he jumps back to the trials again. And I mean, that's, I mean, that's, I, so he's, he's a man after my own heart, bouncing around. That's what I'm doing right now, so. So let's go get to, to James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. It says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is of no, no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. James is full of conviction. Um, And this passage is, is, is is no different. So, so, so if we want to defeat our idols, what are some of the things that we can do? Um, and the first thing I want to talk about is, is humble ourselves. We have to be filled with humility. Uh, for many of us, this is not an easy step to do. Um, whether or not we know it or not, many of us are filled with pride. The original sin was pride. As I was talking with Josh uh, this week about, about today, um, there was one, one thing in particular that I wanted to make sure that he agreed with because it was a, kind of a big, a big statement, and that was the fact that all sins, at the root of all sins, is idols. And I wanted to make sure, I say, I'm, this is what I'm going to say, so I want to make sure that, that you're in agreement with that. And he's like, absolutely. And as he was talking, he said, it was pride that caused Eve to fall, but pride was fed by the idol of the fruit. She wanted, she wanted that knowledge of good and evil. She wanted to be like God. And so she took, she, she saw that fruit, and she's like, okay, that's, that's what I want. That's what I want. She had the whole garden, and that's, what she, that's the one thing she wanted. She was filled with pride. In verse 6, James talks about God opposes the proud. Now, there are many things that I think are wrong with the church today. This is one of them, though. Uh, I feel like the church today is, is filled with pride, lacks humility. But what does that look like uh, for us as we, as we go through this? I mean, um, because oftentimes we don't really realize that we are prideful. But, but the, when, when, when humility is missing, pride is going to fill in. This kind of shows up when, when people, whether it's Pastor Josh or somebody in our lives, kind of pokes a little bit at something that they see in our lives. 
Um, I had mentioned earlier that, 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 pri- that, that idols don't like to be, they don't like to see the light of day. They don't want to come out. They want to hide. And we, don't want, we want them to hide. That's because we don't want them exposed. We love our idols. We crave them. When others, when others confront us with them, we get defensive of them. We make excuses to keep them. We get pleasures from them. We find our happiness from them. We find our joy in them. Anything or anyone that begin to capture our hearts, minds, and affections more than God. So when, when somebody brings an idol to us, how do we react? How is that prideful? Well, I know for me in the past, how this has kind of come into play is um, my, my wife graciously in the past has, has come to me and said, hey, Cam, I think, I think maybe you should take some time off of social media. Maybe even get rid of it altogether. And all too often my reaction was, come on, Aaron, like really? I don't, I don't, even, I don't spend that much time on it. I don't even read it. I'm just sitting there kind of flipping through it. And, and you're on Instagram. I mean, so so it's, there it is. Like, it's just that, you know, it's, it's that defensiveness. It's like, hey, who, who are you to come? And that's what we do, right? That's what happens. These idols get brought to our lives. Whether or not it's, it's somebody in our lives or, or maybe we've been sitting in these seats and Pastor Josh has been up here preaching and, and uh, something that he says kind of pokes at us and pricks us and and uh, we get kind of defensive about it and maybe think that, is he actually talking to me? I mean, does he know what's going on here? Does he know what's going on in my life? Who is he to sit, sit up there and, and, well, stand up here, you don't sit up here, but um, who is he to sit up there and, and, and preach this and, and, and talk about this stuff? And the thing is, is we don't know all, the, all that's going on, but that might actually be the Holy Spirit talking to you. The Holy Spirit saying, hey, listen, listen to what, listen to what he's saying. But all too often we, we get defensive. That's that pride. We don't want that. I mean, that, that, that is exactly what happened when Adam and Eve got, got confronted by God. So, so they took the fruit and they, were, um, they realized that they were naked and they, they went and hid because they heard God coming, which is in and of itself is just a crazy thought if you think about that. I mean, they heard God coming. God was walking through the garden. So God comes up to him and says, hey, where are you at? Where, where are you guys at? And, oh, we're, we're, we're hiding. Why are you hiding? Well, we're naked. So all of a sudden, the truth comes out. What does Adam do when, when God asks him? He says, it says two things. He says, the woman that you gave me did this. So the woman, he, he immediately tries to point the finger at the woman. And then he does something even ridiculous, more ridiculous. He tries to point it at God. He's like, hey, listen, the, the woman that you gave me did this to me. That's something that we do all the time. Not all the time, but we may. Eve does the same thing when she's confronted. She says, yeah, but the serpent, the serpent deceived me. So something about those statements is, I don't know that there's necessarily a false statement in there. The serpent did deceive her. Eve did give Adam the fruit, and God did give Adam Eve. But that's not the point. The point is, is that their pride, they wanted that fruit so bad, they both wanted to have that knowledge of good and evil. They wanted to be like God, but they allowed it to... to, to, to Take hold of them. So that's what we end up doing when, when, when these idols come to light. We, we point the finger at, at somebody. And, and so sometimes it's as harmless as, hey, Cam, I think that maybe the Cardinals are, 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 or your Packers are, are maybe an idol, which that's absolutely can be the case for, for many of us. 
And so even then we kind of get, you know, it's a little bit easier, but it, we get a little defensive about it. But, and what if we're talking about something bigger? What if we're talking about our children or our marriages? Man, that's, uh, that's, that's a whole other threshold. Maybe because if you're, sing- if you're single and you're saying, you know, I, I want to have, I want to find a godly woman. That's awesome. I mean, that's, that, is a, that is a good goal. But if you get caught up in that, if you get caught up in the idea of, of finding that godly woman or the godly man to the point where you're not looking towards God, it's becoming an idol. And so, so as, we're, as we're going through these things and, and these idols are coming to light, we have to, we have to kind of be humble and say, okay, like, is this an idol? And the difficult thing with idols is a lot of times, again, like I said earlier, they start off as good things and turn into God things. Because that's what Satan likes to do. He likes to take those good things and make them into God things. And, and he does that to distract us to see, for, so we don't see what is really happening. Take children, for instance. Um, we all believe that, well, hopefully you believe that children are unquestionably gifts from God. But Oftentimes we get caught up in, in their sports. We want them to do good in sports. We want them to do good in school. And maybe, um, you know, maybe that's some of those things that your husband or your wife have come alongside and say, hey, are, are, we, are we getting too caught up in, in these sports? Are we getting too caught up in these schoolings? And that's an easy thing to do, but, but what about obedience? That gets trickier because the Bible talks about the idea of children obey your parents. I mean, that's, that is, that's biblical, but when our children grow up and they, and they become, maybe, maybe they, they rebel and they turn from God. Oftentimes parents can, can get caught up in that and that, that, that crushes their spiritual walk with the Lord. Has that become an idol for them? Marriage, again, same thing. If, if, if our spouse is, has, is doing something and, and it, it's, it's just so frustrating in God, why is this, why is this happening? And it, and it crushes our spiritual walk with the Lord. Our, our, our spiritual, our holiness does not come from the Lord. Or, yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> Take that back. It doesn't come from our spouses. It doesn't come from our kids. It comes from the Lord. And so when, when, these things, when we get confronted with these things, what is our reaction? Are we getting, getting prideful? Because James says, God opposes the proud. Right after he talks about that, he brings up the fact that, but, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Humility. Without humility and without humility from the Holy Spirit, we have no hope at defeating our idols. We have to be filled with humility. So filled with humility, the second thing we've got to do is change our fleshly desires, our earthly desires, and go towards more heavenly desires, desires that, that, are, that are centered around Christ. If we look at verse 2, James talks about our worldly or selfish desires. He says, You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain. Where are we at here? Uh, can't obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. 
Verse 3 can be an awfully convicting verse for many of us because um, how often have we prayed for, for X? God, please give me this. Sometimes it's just that, that that's, that's what this verse is saying is it's, it's because we're asking to spend it on our own pleasures. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Verse 2 um, and, and verse two kind of points out something that, that we probably need to at least address in the fact that I don't think we're really having to worry about murder in, this, in, in our church today. Um, we don't know exactly what's happening in the church at that time, but we do know that, that it's a tumultuous time in, his, in, the, in the church because he's talked a lot about trials again in, in James chapter 1. He talks about being slow to speak and slow to anger, not being partial. talked about being uh, the importance of taming your tongue. That's just in the first three chapters. And then in verse 4, he talks about more struggles that are apparently happening at the church. So again, we don't know if it's, it's actually, murder is actually happening, but, but it doesn't really matter because all that really matters is he's talking about the severity of what is happening in the church today. And so if we look at the word uh, covet in verse 2, it's a pretty powerful word. It says, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. That word covet is, is, the, is really the word epithumeo. And it's that, that, that's the root verb of epithumea, which means to set the heart upon, long for, covet, desire, lust. Now, for the most part, this is, this is mentioned 38 times in the New Testament, and for the most part, that's a negative that's a negative connotation. Except in uh, one of the instances is in Philippians 1, verses 23 and 24. It says, I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. So here Paul is writing from jail. And perhaps he, he sees kind of like the, the writing on the wall potentially of, of, of his death impending. And so he says, that is, that is my desire. That is my epithumea, is to depart and be with Christ. That is, my, that is what I long for. That is what I'm setting my heart upon. But it's far better for me to remain, or that's far better, but I need to remain here on your account. Epithumea is also used at times to, do, to describe good, good desires like, food and, 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 and thirst and, and sex in a biblical marriage. But more often than not, it's used uh, in ways like in Galatians 5.17. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you do, that you want to do. For the desires, for the epithumea of the flesh are against the spirit. So here you have Paul, who in two different books is using the same word to describe two very different things. Complete polar opposites. He's talking about his desire to, to, to be with Christ in heaven. My epithumea is to depart and be with Christ. And he uses the same word to talk about our fleshly desires. Those fleshly desires, they get in the way. Eve, Eve desired the fruit. She was looking out for herself. She wanted to have that knowledge. Her, her sin was, was, was that she wanted that so much. She was filled with pride. 
She was that had that fleshly desire of wanting to know, wanting to be like God. So, in order to defeat our idols, we must be filled with the the Holy Spirit of uh, and of humility, and uh, and to to change our desires. And third, we have to change our actions. Verse four. That's where James really starts kind of laying it on thick. And he gets a little bit feisty, or feistier, I guess I should say, because a number of times in this letter, he's been a lot more kind to the people he's writing to. He's, been, he's saying, my brothers, or my dear brothers. Verse 4, he, I mean, this, this, is where, this is where Josh would be just kind of yelling. It says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You adulterous people. He's saying that because of the actions that, that, that the church's, people in the church have been doing. He's talked about discriminating against people, speaking negatively of others, exhibiting bitter envy and selfish ambition. This is the part where I kind of like those people that say that the, that the book is outdated. This is where I say, okay, obviously I don't know that you've read much of the Bible because this is stuff that is still happening today. I mean, our, our church is filled with, with bitter envy at times. Church, church can be filled with negative, negativity towards others. I mean, those, those actions, those actions that, that James has talked about here in this, in this book, they're all over our society. They're all worldly actions that man has struggled with from the beginning. And our actions get in the way. So then how do we, how do we change? What do we need to do in order to, to, to kind of get away from those actions? So he starts talking about that in verse 7, 7 through 10. It says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. This is where James is, is trying to bring it home. So, Because he, he's talked about these things that we struggle with, the, the pride. He talked about the, 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 the evil desires that we have within our, within our lives. He's talked about the actions being worldly. And he says, okay, so, so these are the things you struggle with. This is how we can defeat him. Verse 7 is pretty simple. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I mean, that right there, if you want to kind of like, what do we need to do? This is the simplest terms. Submit yourselves to God and flee the devil. But it's just not, not that easy. So he goes on talking about draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. So cleansing, cleansing your hands, um, that, that's kind of the actions that we were talking about. Um, getting rid of, of, these, of these things. That's the outward appearance. What are the actions that we're doing that are causing us to, to, to get caught up in our idols? Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Purify your hearts. That's where our desires are at. Our desires are, the, are on the inside. Those are the fleshly desires that we're talking about. That's the epithemia. And we have to cleanse our hands and cleanse our hearts. Double-minded. There it is again. That's where he's, he's talking about, up in verse 4, about being a part of the world because, because too, all too often we get caught up in, in, in 
coming here to church and, and worshiping God, listening to a good sermon, hearing God's word preached, only to leave here and get caught up in our worldly jobs, um, our, our, the struggles, that, the, whether it's financial struggles, all these things that are very real and that, that need, to, need to be there. But we're double-minded because, we're, because our actions are worldly. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. That, that verse alone, verse 8, I mean, if you want to summarize this whole sermon, there it is in verse 8, right there. Draw near to God, there's your humility. Cleanse your hands, actions. Purify your hearts, the desires. And verse 9, verse 9 is heavy because... So, so once, we've, once we've realized all these things, once we've submitted, submitted to the God and we see that our sin for what it is, our sin that has put, put Christ up on that cross, this is the reaction that we should have. Verse 9. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. That should be our reaction as we're talking about our sin. Once this comes to light, not this defensiveness that oftentimes happens. Mourn and weep, because this is, this is what Christ died for. This is what it, this is, what it is. And so when we, when we really sit down and think about our sins, man, they should wreck us. That, that, should, that should mess us up. There shouldn't be any joy in our lives when we're looking at our sins. No laughing. We are all, every one of us, we're, we're, we're wretched, idolatrous people. And we have to realize that. There's nobody, there's nobody that's immune to that. Pastor Josh is not immune to that. I am not immune to that. You are not immune to that. Idolatrous sinners. So we have, those are the, those are the actions. Those are the things we need to do. We need to, we need, need to humble ourselves. We need to get rid of our evil desires. And we need to, to, to get rid of our, our worldly actions. But well, the most important part in all of this is that none of that is possible without the Holy Spirit. If we're not filled with the Holy Spirit, I mean, everything that I just said, it, it doesn't matter at all. Verse 5 says, He yearns jealously over the Spirit He made to dwell in us. He yearns jealously over the Spirit He made to dwell in us. Again, that's just on the heels of him talking about you double-minded people in verse, uh, verse 4, being of this world. If we are to have any hope at defeating our idols, we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Pastor Josh, I think, has mentioned it a couple of times before about John Calvin's quote of, we, um, our hearts are idol factories. Um, man, that's, uh, that, that's, that's a good picture because we are constantly pumping out these idols constantly and we don't even know it a lot of times and that's that that's one of the most dangerous parts about idols is is we've we've allowed these things to creep into our lives and to turn our eyes away from god towards x towards our spouse towards our children each one of us are sinners and we're idolaters we were made to worship and we all will worship but without the holy spirit There is no way we defeat our idols. So if you're sitting there today and and you're thinking about this and and what we can do to to defeat these idols, 
humbly, one of the things you can do is, is go to your spouse. Go, go to somebody that you have a close connection with that, that, that is able to see your life on an everyday basis and ask them, hey, like, okay, what, what are some of these idols? Because oftentimes we are way too blinded by, by our own idols to be able to sit there and say, yes, this is what it is, this is what it is. We need these, these people to come and bring them to I mean, that's why Matthew 18 is there, is to, to bring these, these, these sins to light. So, I mean, that's, that's it in a nutshell. Obviously, like I said, this, the, the, the pastor who did this, he did a 10-hour sermon series. I'm not going to do that to you today. But uh, that, that, that's just kind of the sum up. I and mean, like I said, if you get anything from this, just look at verse 8. Draw near to God, cleanse your hands, purify your hearts. And without it, the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit, there's no hope. Let's go ahead and, and, and close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, you are, you are a good, good Father. You are a patient Father. You are a loving Father that gives us so much that we do not deserve. You have created us to worship you, and all too often we worship something else or somebody else. I pray that as, as we leave here today, we will be able to, to step aside and to, to, to allow you, the Holy Spirit, into our lives to show us what we need to get rid of, to get rid of these roots that, that will get rid of our sins. Lord, you are, you are a loving Father that wants this to happen. You, 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 you are jealous. You yearn jealously over the Spirit that is made, made within us. And I pray that we will humble ourselves we will turn from our evil desires and our evil actions and, be, and defeat our idols. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Cameron. Would you please stand? <laughs>